Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. These banners up here represent our theme for this year. Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's not a request, that's not a suggestion, that's a command. Let me ask you a question, don't answer out loud. How are you doing? How are you doing with that? Are you witnessing to people? Are you looking for those opportunities? Are you passing out tracts? Are you inviting people to church? Um, Are you encouraging people in the Lord? You know, we're probably talking about today the two biggest areas in which we Christians struggle. The first one being prayer, but probably a close second is our obedience and soul winning and evangelism. We tend to struggle there. And thus the reason for the theme this year is a weekly reminder of the importance of what we're called to do. And I really believe this. I I don't have to encourage you folks in the area that you need to pray if you've been saved any length of time, you, you, you get it. You understand the value of prayer. And we may struggle with it, but not for a lack of understanding. And the same with this. I believe there's not one person in this room that would argue with me. No, no, evangelism, that, yeah, it's not something we need to do. It's not something we need to worry about. I think we get a 100% vote on that. How important is evangel- evangelism and soul winning? I think we'd get a 100% vote that it's extremely important, but yet we struggle with it. This afternoon, I want to look at a passage of Scripture, Paul recording his thoughts, and I'm calling this, Entrusted with the Gospel, Developing a Heart's Desire for the Religiously Lost. Developing a Heart's Desire. You're going to see in a second that was Paul's heart's desire. And we're talking about the religiously lost because while we should have compassion for everyone that's lost, it appears to me in this passage that Paul has a kind of special regard for those who are religiously lost. You know, it's one thing to have a burden for someone who is lost, but they don't care. They don't believe in, in God. They're not interested in God. They're going to they're gonna live their life. And sure, you're burdened for them. But might, I'm just, it's a rhetorical question, might we be even more burdened for people who want to get it right, who are trying to get it right, but they miss it? That's, that's what Paul's talking about here. People who are religious. But his burden for them is because they're religious but lost. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 10. He begins by saying, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now he's talking about Israel. At that time, a very, for the most part, very religious group of people. But he is acknowledging here they are lost. And then he explains his burden as he further states, for, okay, in other words, like, here's the reason I can say that they're unsaved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And then he goes on to say, verse number three, for they being 
ignorant of God's righteousness. That's not a compliment that he's paying these people. He's saying they are ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. The Jews were having trouble coming to Christ. Even though he came, even though he taught, even though he proved who he was through his teaching and through his miracles, a lot of Paul's kinspeople still rejected Christ regardless. Paul is entrusted with the gospel, and he's burdened for these people. We, like Paul, have been entrusted with the gospel. Again, up here, Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And Paul, we can use as as an example today of how we ought to feel about this matter of people who are religiously lost. Paul refers to his heart's desire in this passage. The heart is the center of the personality. It controls the intellect, emotions, and will. So at the very essence of who he is, his heart, he says he has this desire that they might be saved. The word desire means benevolence. And the expression, my heart's desire, means my earnest and sincere wish is that these people could be saved. And that motivated him. That heart's desire motivated him to pray, as he says in the next phrase. But from his actions, we know he traveled all over you know, the, the Mediterranean and that area and put up with all sorts of hardships because that was his heart's desire. And I'm thinking as a pastor of this congregation for whom I'm responsible, can that be said of us? Is it our heart's desire? Is it at our core? that we are burdened to see lost people saved. Paul is burdened specifically for people who are, yeah, they're pursuing God in one sense, but they're missing out on actually finding Him. So the question that this arises for you and I is, is it our heart's desire to see the lost saved? Are you, are you particularly burdened for those around you who have an interest in God and who are pursuing God, but they're looking for Him and finding Him. Paul is bothered to the core. And Paul is expressing what really should be on each of our hearts. When he says in verse number 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. By it being at his core, that means he was thinking about it, he was burdened about it, and he was doing something about it. Can that be said of you and me? When it comes to lost people, we're thinking about it, we're burdened about it, and we're doing something about it. Now, back during Easter in our campaign, most all of you folks jumped on board, and I want to commend you for that. And you were inviting people. And some of you had people show up. Some of you invited people and they didn't show up and you were disappointed. But, but, it, but you did, you were obedient to the command. But if we're not careful, it, it'll wane. You know, prone to wander, as we said this morning. So it should be our desire, though, that we have a real heart's desire for the lost. So what did Paul see? 
that burden his heart for Israel. It is evident in these verses here. Let's look at these quickly. Number one, he was burdened by the futility of their misguided zeal. He saw people that really were futile in what they were trying to achieve through their misguided zeal. Look at what he says in verse number two. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, an enthusiasm for God, but not according to knowledge. They were committed to spiritual pursuits, but not based on fact, but based on fiction. Proverbs 19.2 says, Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. Knowledge is important. Zeal in and of itself will not cut it. And just because you and I may have family or friends that are zealous about their spiritual pursuits, is it being done according to the knowledge of God's Word? Or is it just some passing fad, some emotional experience that they've had? Is it based on knowledge? And there's got to be a church that gets this. Most, most churches today, oh, we don't want to be judgmental. You just mention the name Jesus and you get a get-out-of-jail-pass get free. No, we, there's got to be churches with the maturity that Paul had to recognize, glad that you're zealous for God, but it matters whether you have a knowledge or not. So he was burdened by the futility of their misguided zeal. Secondly, he was burdened by the futility of their misunderstood theology. Theology matters. And he was burdened by the futility of their misunderstood theology. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. They were ignorant of God's righteousness going about to establish their own righteousness. They thought that they in and of themselves could establish a right relationship with God through their own self-effort. They weren't looking to God just to repent of their sins and turn to Him. No, they're thinking, I can work my way. I can do good deeds. I can be a part of this particular group. Titus chapter 3, verse number 5 explains, not by works of righteousness, which is what they were doing. That's why Titus says this. Not by works of righteousness, what we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So understand, he was burdened by the futility of their misunderstanding of theology. It's important. Look, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved. You can't be a lazy Christian. You can't be... Uh, an inconsistent Christian. You, you, it, it takes knowledge. It takes understanding. It takes a proper comprehension of theology to get it right. And it's not complicated. But it does require... You, you, you need to think about this. You, you need to forget your emotions. You've got to forget the pull of culture and self-will and, and think in terms of, of biblically and proper theology. Number three, he was burdened by the futility of their misplaced confidence. He was burdened by the futility of their misplaced confidence. Verse number four. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Paul says, Christ is the end of the law. These folks have been living under the law for a couple thousand years. 
And they've been used to it, understood. But now they need to understand, they need to have the knowledge that Christ is fulfilling the law. Jesus is fulfilling the law. You need to place your trust in him, not in your own effort, not in your piety, not, not in the way you do things, but putting your faith and trust in Jesus. John fourteen six, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but my me. I am the way. You're not the way. And all your self-effort and all your good deeds, commendable as they may be, are not going to get you saved. Because if you think that gets you saved, then what Christ did on the cross, you're saying, that's not complete. That's not enough. I have to add to that. So he was burdened by the futility of their misplaced confidence. They rejected Jesus and what he taught. They had no confidence in what he taught, but they had total confidence in their own mental capacity, their own understanding. Our burden today should be for many religious people who miss the mark and get it wrong. Many people are sincere, but sadly, tragically, sincerely wrong. And there's got to be a group of people that understand that. Not to stand in judgment of people with a harsh judgment, but with a burdened heart that Bible matters, theology matters. I, I, I like this quote. Paul loves the Jews, but tells them pain, plainly of their faults. So must ministers do. Now, look at that quote up there and think about that. That's not popular this day and age. Paul loves the Jews, but tells them plainly of their faults. So must ministers do. And I would add beyond that, not just ministers, Christians. We have to love people enough. And this is going back to the last two Sunday morning messages. We have to love people enough to be honest with them and to tell them the truth. And if, we're, if we don't do that, if we're just greasing the slide to hell for those people. Somebody needs to stand in the way and say, no, listen, I love you. And this may be hard for me to say, but you know, your theology's wrong. You're going about this all wrong. Not because I say so. Put no confidence in me. Here's what the Bible says, and let me show you from Scripture. It's tragic when someone is not looking for God, as so many people are in our culture today. More tragic when someone is looking for God and sincerely believes they have found Him when they actually have not. Isn't that even more tragic? We should have a place in our hearts for all lost people. But I think, based on what Paul says here, there maybe should be a special place in our heart for people who are seeking, but they're looking in the wrong places. Are those who think they have found, according to their interpretation, and really they haven't. You know, the Bible predicts that for this day and age in which we live. That there'd be a lot of this. 2 Timothy 3.1, on the screen behind me. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, uh, fierce 
and despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. My, are we seeing that today? And they say this is going to happen in the last days. We're there. Here it is, what I want you to see. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That's what Paul was burdened for back then. These people are talking the religious talk. And to a degree, they're walking the religious walk. But it's all in self-effort and according to their own ideas. And Paul says, my heart's desire is that they be saved. Because what he's implying there directly is they're not. And they're going to spend eternity in hell. We live in the day and age when people, people that we care about, people that we know, people that we go to work with, sometimes family members and and. And neighbors, boy, they're, they're very involved in their spiritual endeavors. They have a form of godliness. But they deny the power thereof. They deny Christ the power that he has to save them by putting their faith and trust in him. And as I struggle with evangelism, like I struggle with prayer, you perhaps struggle with evangelism like you struggle with prayer. I read about Paul's heart's desire, and that's there to both convict me and to encourage me. Because I need to have that same heart's desire that would motivate me to do for my generation what it motivated Paul to do for his generation. So how can we have that heart's desire? You and I, if it's not there, if, if you're fervency for souls isn't what you know it ought to be and it's lacking how can you have that heart's desire that inner core yearning for lost people to be saved well let's look at that same passage one more time it says number one you will have that same heart's desire as paul when you realize very religious people can be unsaved And how sad that is for somebody to think they're going to heaven through their good works when, in fact, they are not. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He is expressing that concern about people who are very religious, very sincere in their religiosity. But the danger is they are putting faith and trust in their good works. This truly is legalism. Legalism is misused often. But in its truest sense, legalism, people trying to work their way to heaven. And again, the implication is, well, Christ didn't do enough. And that's just an ungodly thought. You'll have the same heart's desire as Paul when you realize very religious people can be unsaved. Number two, you'll have the same heart's desire as Paul when you realize very religious people can be sincerely wrong. And that should be particularly burdensome. In the second verse of that passage, it says, For I bear record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Zeal is good to have when you have the right kind of knowledge. Knowledge would be not so good to have if you don't have any zeal. You need a balance of both. But in this case, they only had one. They had zeal, but they did not have knowledge. And you will begin to have a greater burden 
for lost people, and particularly those who think they are religious, when you come to realize that they can be sincerely wrong. And again, if, if they're not putting their faith and trust totally in Jesus Christ and Him alone, if they're thinking by joining the Catholic Church, that gets me to heaven because I'm a part of this church, or because I've partaken of the Eucharist, or because, you know, I, I go to this church where they don't use musical instruments, and, and, and they believe you ha- do have to be baptized. You know, there's, there's lots of churches that add on. There's, there's churches that, that take away. As much as you love those people and care about those people, unless they are putting their total faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they're wrong. Sincere, but sincerely wrong. And there's got to be a church or churches and Christians that get it. Otherwise, what's going to stop those sliding into hell? Who's going to at least offer them the opportunity to hear the truth? Number three, you will have the same heart's desire as Paul when you realize very religious people are most often wrong because they are ignorant of biblical truth. You will have the same heart's desire as Paul when you realize very religious people are most often wrong because they are ignorant of biblical truth. That's what Paul was concerned about, verse number 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. I know of well-known preachers who, and I don't want to name names, you can fill in the blank if you want to, that have huge crowds. And they will preach some Bible, but limited Bible. And they're limited where they will go. And they're limited with what they will do. And these people stay immature babies, and therefore they're led astray. And they're not led to the truth of God's Word. Paul is acknowledging that, that that occurred during his period of time. And from God's Word, we just looked at a while ago. In the last days, it's going to be even more. And then number four, you will have the same heart's desire as Paul when you realize very religious people can come to know the truth and be saved by simply believing in Christ. The good news is, here's the good point, you, your heart's desire should grow and should in, in, increase in intensity when you realize those people can be saved. They may be led astray now. They may be ignorant now. But God can use me to reach them and to teach them. For he says in verse number 4, in this same passage where he's expressing his concerns, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You will have a burden for these people when you realize they're, they're, they're ignorant, when you realize they're being led astray, but you will have a burden for them when you realize they can be saved. Somebody just has to have the courage to sit down with them and lovingly say, explain to me your beliefs. And then you could say to them, okay, you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Yes. Show me what you believe in the Bible and see what happens. Then you can say to them, can I show you what the Bible really says about salvation? Lots of times people will say, when you sit at your dining room table with them, they'll say, I, I never, nobody ever showed me that before. And you say, I know. Here's what the Bible says. They can be saved. People who will never have a heart's desire like Paul. These are people that will never have a heart's desire. And our churches are filled with people. They come to church for whatever reason. Because their family expects them to be there. They come because in their community, that's the in church. And everybody goes there. And that's where you make your connections. 
People can have all kinds of reasons. People who never have a heart's desire like Paul are people who don't know their Bible. People who lack discernment. People who think all belief systems lead to God, and more and more people are believing that. I study this. I stay in the know. People who are timid and lack courage to speak the truth in love. People who believe it's not their place to get involved. People who are so self-centered they're not even aware of the issue. Those not in church this afternoon. There are people not in church for good reasons. But people that are, for whatever reason, could be in church, should be in church, but choose not to. Guess what? They're not hearing a lesson on being aware. They're missing it, and I commend you for being here. And then number seven, people who are petty and spiritually immature. Those kinds of people, you don't want to be like them. Those kinds of people will never have a heart's desire like Paul did. We'll close with a somewhat lengthy quote, but I think it gives us a very good perspective. Read behind me, please. We live in a day that disparages absolute truth and doctrinal precision. Amen to that. There's got to be a church or churches that get it, though. The cultural belief is that each person should determine his own truth. Have you heard that? That's extremely popular today. Well, truth is in the eyes, kind of like beauty, it's in the eyes of the beholder. Truth is in the eyes of the beholder. What's true for you may not be true for me and vice versa. Well, that's a ridiculous statement in and of itself. So we should coexist as the bumper sticker preaches. If that means we should be civil and polite towards one another, of course that is true. But if it means that it doesn't matter whether you're a Buddhist, Hindu, Christian, or atheist, it is fatally flawed. Just as it matters greatly whether you take the exact drug that the doctor has prescribed in the exact amounts at the proper times, so it matters eternally whether you believe in Jesus Christ as the eternal Son of God who took on human flesh, died for your sins, and was raised from the dead. If you are zealous for a different Jesus or a way of salvation other than faith alone and Christ alone, Paul says that Galatians 1, 6-9, you will be damned. Last quote, we're done here. All roads, this writer says, do not lead to the top. Being sincere or zealous is not enough. Good intentions are not enough if they are mistaken about the truth of the gospel. Religious zeal must always be tested against the core truth of the unchanging gospel. Religious zeal, and we've got a lot of religious zealots that we all know. Sometimes people at work, neighbors, friends, family members. Religious zeal must always be tested against the core truth of the unchanging gospel. Churches all around us are changing. Any of you that are any age at all, hardly, you've seen enormous change. That's because God's word has changed, right? No. The world has influenced the church rather than the church influencing the world. That's exactly what has happened. That's the reason churches are changing. This book hasn't changed. And that is so comforting that God's word never changes. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.